Welcome everyone to episode 6 of Retro Encounter. That's right, you heard me, episode 6. There's no dash this month. We had tremendous issues. We already recorded a 6-1. It somehow disappeared. I blame it on ghosts. Uh, so we're kind of shortening it up, kind of get back on track. So this will be a one-time episode, unfortunately, on a wonderful game that is Castlevania Symphony of Night. I am your host, Josh Curry. With me is a wonderful cast, uh, Davey Tesnovich. Hey, everybody. Peter Treisenberg. Hello. Uh, Marcos Gaspar. Howdy. And for his first time officially, second time unofficially, Chris Gabar. Hey, everybody. Um, so, like I said, unfortunately, this will be just a one episode, so we're going to be cramming all sorts of information. For those of you that want us to stay on topic, probably going to have to actually do it today because we have a lot to go through. So let's get going once again. What is everybody's history with the series um why don't we start with the newcomer peter um i i have literally never played a castlevania game before this one and before this podcast this is my first time playing through one and you haven't even played anything even from the series correct like no. or not even the series but i mean like the genre no i was i was almost entirely new to this um, I, I was i've been familiar with castlevania and with metroidvania just kind of from a historical standpoint, but I never actually sat down to play one until now, and it was it was an interesting experience. I had a really hard time with it at first. So yeah, I overall like I'm pretty happy that the last podcast somehow disappeared. It adds a little bit of mystery to this. <laughs> but the one thing I am sad that we lost was we really ragged on Peter because he was trying to figure out what this game actually was. You guys are so mean. <laughs> Yeah, because outside of him, uh, everybody else has at least played a Castlevania game, with the exception of me, all of you, Davey, Marcos, and Chris, you've played this game too. Right? I had specifically yeah. played uh, this game. Uh, this was my first Castlevania game about two years ago, and I've since played it a few times because I really liked it, but uh, I had never played a Castlevania game before Symphony of the Night. And like Peter, I know the significance of the series. I guess I'd, I'd been at friends' places when I was a kid and seen some of the early NES offerings specifically to yeah and i played metroidvania games like outland or guacamole and other stuff but oh more games. contemporary mm -hmm. versions it wasn't until i played castlevania simply like that i hunted down a super metroid cart and played that and stuff like that i kind of had a similar i guess in a certain way i had gotten castlevania that was the game i got when i first bought my uh game boy advance it was circle of the moon sounds yep. right and I was intrigued, but it got enthralled, and then I got Super Mario World for the GBA, and that kind of yeah. everything else halted, and I just <laughs> played everything Mario for as long as I could. Solid. Yeah, yeah, I'm not actually that Super upset Mario about World. it. Yeah. And then it wasn't until the 360 with Shadow Complex, and that was like my first ah, really, yeah. I dived in, I loved that game, 100%ed, I did all the crazy speed runs, I did everything wow. there is to do in that game. And that's where I was like, oh, I have Castlevania, which is supposedly basically the same game. Let's go back and check that out. And then I systematically went through all the GBA games and all the DS games. So it, I, it's more just that was what was available to me. And yeah, for sure. that's how I fell in love with Castlevania. So it was nice for me to be able to go back and really go to the roots of the whole series. Yeah. What about yeah. you, Davey? Um, well, I was never really into like old school Retrovanias, like before they became Metroidvanias. Uh, when I was in high school, my friend eventually got a copy of Symphony of the Night and after the friggin' the band Malice Miser did a <laughs> song titled Symphony of the Night and like they cosplayed 
as Castlevania characters. And uh, so I ended up borrowing that and I played through it like once back when I was a teen. But I never really touched another Castlevania game until like Harmony of Dissonance and Aria of Sorrow, like on the GBA, kind of like Josh. They're then, so good. Yeah, they really are. And <laughs> all the DS games as well. Well, there's a, like one or two of the DS ones that are kind of middling. But like I've also systematically played through all those games. And uh, yeah, I like uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, I guess, started it all. When I was a teenager, I was really enthralled with this game, for sure. What do you about you, Brawler, Mr. Gaspar? Uh, I mean, I started the series on the first Castlevania game, Castlevania. Uh, <laughs> from there... <laughs> played like one two and three super castlevania and worked my way up until uh i, I didn't play symphony of the night first i actually played portrait of ruin and that's when oh. i thought hey i want to give the the first uh metrovania uh game a shot and then i tried symphony of the night and fell in love with it immediately so you actually have a really nice perspective then because you got to play through as richter and have him as a main character yes which is i, I there's a certain part of me that uh, wishes I had back in the day actually played the PSP version that came out with the Dracula X Chronicles. Oh yeah, because yeah, that's a good one. That would have been it such is. a good transition of I get to experience Richter, I understand everything that is there, and then move on. And I could see that being the whole beginning of the game being a much more interesting, like blowing your mind of like this is somebody that I played mm-hmm. as, I have this attachment to, and then all of a sudden, oh well, what's going on, and why am I not him, and then oh, is he bad? Yeah, what's right. going on with this character? Right, and you'd have that investment, which would have been actually really nice. I and think. you would have got to play Dracula X, which is great. <laughs> I'll take yeah, your word for it. It is actually it is a really great game. I remember hunting that down in the waning days of the PSP, and yeah, that's great. It's a good and great, great, great. Yeah. So yeah, we uh, we're just gonna roll right through. Peter, <laughs> first impressions, go. Um, what is what is this game, and what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> I actually I really liked the opening of it and I knew I knew it was coming. I knew the whole you play through it for a portion and Alucard is super powerful and he moves really gracefully and I'm taking down these giant wolves in one hit and I'm like, Yeah, this is this is fun and then Death shows up and like a jerk, he steals all your stuff and now all of a sudden you have to like slap a skeleton in order to get your first weapon back. Yeah. And that right there was when I realized I was gonna start having some real trouble with this. <laughs> I'm because I'm really used, to, I'm used to playing 3D action adventure titles, and or and but I but again I was total, totally new to the whole Metroidvania thing. So and plus I think Alucard his attack height is like slightly higher than where you think it's going to be. He's too high for some of the smaller enemies, which makes it difficult. Like yeah. the the table yeah. that has the floating cups or whatever. Yeah, those things are jerks. That stupid little, like, bouncing imp gremlin thing. Mm-hmm. You mean the Fleeman? Yeah, the Fleeman. Sure. Yeah, the Fleeman, yeah, oh, yeah. Those enemies, I hate them. Yeah, when it's not on the same level as you, it makes it very difficult, I feel like. And then I, I've had an issue, too, and I'm not sure if this is... Which we didn't go over, we usually do, but... Play on the Vita. Um, I occasionally have the issue where I go low to attack. Instead of actually attacking horizontally, I do this weird angle attack. Yeah. You mean uh, the low diagonal? Yeah. yeah. Um, and that seems to never work when I want it to, except for when I absolutely don't want it to happen. That's when <laughs> it pops up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of adds into kind of a little bit of the frustration of not being able to control your elevation of attack sometimes. Which I just solved that by throwing a mm-hmm. boatload of knives all the time. 
Oh, my favorite, my favorite sub weapon is the holy book because I just yeah, scream. The power of Christ compels you at my foes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that is one solution. Absolutely, it works. It's one of the best AOE abilities. I, I guess what are we what are we all playing it on? I'm I'm playing. I was playing it on a Vita like Josh, but I switched to my PS3 about midway through. And we were talking about this in the pre-show, which I'm having the same issue. I'm playing the Vita, and uh, I had some kind of the game kind of chunks up where it has some issues with loading. Um, and I, I, if I had my, my PS3 worked, I probably would have switched over as well. I'm also playing it on Vita, and to Josh's point, it's usually in transitions from screen to screen. There's a little bit of slowdown at times, especially later in the game. Really, the main part, the frustration of slowdown there is the transitioning from uh, zone to zone with those hallways and getting to warp zones. It can get really frustrating, especially if you're backtracking through the entire castle. Uh, what about you, Marcos? For me, I'm playing on the PS3 version, so uh, I, I don't experience, I guess, too much uh, on the uh, problems you have. But I don't know. Maybe uh, that lag is uh, kind of nostalgic to how uh, it was it was intended to be played with that lag. Especially that chug lag. of the load off the disc. <laughs> that yeah. wonderful excuse everybody always likes to say, oh, nostalgia, it makes it perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I say that with a pinch of sargasm. Uh, uh -huh. yeah. Especially when uh, the life bottle or whatever appears on the screen and, and everything slows down to a halt. Oh, yeah. I like that. I don't like that. But, Davey, how about you? Where, how are you playing this? Um, I'm playing on my 360, the 360 port, which is great. Um, and I am for the first time playing on my arcade stick, which has actually helped a couple things. Like Josh was complaining about how easy it is to get the down and forward attack when you're trying to do just the regular crouch attack. And like that stuff's really easy to determine on the arcade stick. So there's been a couple things that have made it a lot more fun. And a couple things that have been like, I kind of wish they were better, like the input parser, but yeah, it took me forever yeah, to figure spells out how to use better spells. With an arcade stick? Um, surprisingly, not really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like the the, the number the number of frames they give you to do the input are still really super small, and so like that that's right. still hard either way. And like the input parser itself seems like just garbage. <laughs> so it's it's a lot harder than it needs to be. Like. Either way, some spells are a lot easier. Like uh, Dark Metamorphosis is a lot easier to do on the stick than it was on the pad, for sure. What is what does Dark Metamorphosis even do? Because I keep accidentally triggering it when, it when I'm trying to summon like the spirit to help me. Sure. Yeah. What does it, it do? Um, it makes it so every time you attack an enemy, and I don't know if it's just enemies. I think it's just enemies that bleed. You regain some HP. Oh, okay, that's useful. So you slosh around in their blood like a real cute little guy. Like a, like a true vampire. Yeah. Yeah. Half vampire. You shouldn't have to call, uh, do a spell for that. It should just happen naturally. <laughs> it should be well, like, he's only a vampire half. that resents that he's a vampire. No. He's a dom-cure. You know, if this game was made today, there would be some kind of like morality meter. Like, choose whether to be a vampire or choose whether to be a paragon, Alucard, or a renegade, renegade Alucard. I'm getting human points. <laughs> you chose not to to, to chew on Maria. Plus plus ten human points. You killed Richter. Minus ninety nine human points. Yeah. 
Um, shoot, I forgot my question. We're going I was curious what everyone thought about the uh, the opening of playing as Richter first before getting into uh, Alucard. Do you like that intro? That voice is acting is stuff of legends. Uh, that for sure. It yeah. is so great. What is a man? A miserable Damn. pile of secrets. <laughs> and now have at you. I knew that was coming and it was still cringeworthy. Yeah, oh, I, it's, I it's hard. I was laughing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah it, it, I think that's the only way you can react is to laugh. I, I've been thinking about this, and I think the most genius thing about that, the way that opened up, is like when you're playing around with Richter and you probably like mess around with some stuff and see what he can do before you go in and actually do the fight. Um, like you just get the sense that his vocabulary is huge. Like he has so many actions. Like he has that weird useless backflip thing, and he has a slide, yep. and a slide jump, and like you're just kind of like wondering what this game is going to throw at you because like this has never been a thing in Castlevania before. And uh, when you start the game as Alucard, yeah, you're super powerful and your stats are really high. But at the beginning of the game, vocab- uh, Alucard is like no verbs. Like he can jump and swing a sword and like that's it. Um, so I feel like if they don't, didn't tease you, yeah, if they didn't <laughs> tease you with that crazy stuff in the beginning, um, are you, don't See, laugh at me, bro. I, I don't. I don't <laughs> think that's how you're. No, I'm laughing because I agree. It's, it's just absurd. Okay. Yeah. Um. If you it didn't get that little tease, so it's more the, fascinating. As a yeah, really. Yeah, for sure. And like when if you started the game and you were just playing as Alucard, who can just jump and swing a sword, I don't think the beginning of this game would really sell you on it the way it does. See, I I I understand what you're saying. I respect it. Um, I still think it comes down to the fact, though, you have to put yourself in the place of when this game came out. And I think that's the true beauty of it. I mean, this was... They did a Kojima moment before Kojima was fucking doing Kojima moments. That's true. This is Metal Gear Solid 2. Like, this is the tanker. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, this is is literally the exact same thing. And I... having no personal attachment to this like I did to Metal Gear Solid, like, that that was, I think that's the beauty of it, like, and I can fully respect it in this regard. And it's important to note, um, we were talking beforehand a little bit about Dracula X, you know, we didn't get to play that game until way after the fact, whereas a Japanese audience would have played that game and would have had the attachment to Richter. So to go through that opening again, be reminded of the character, and then go into uh... Alucard, it's kind of like, well, what happened? Was that just there? Why was that there? And as the game progresses and you get reintroduced to Richter, now as yeah. a possible bad guy, and then you have people go, no, but I remember doing that whole journey with him a few years ago, and like, what's going on? Yep, and they, they do it smart. They justify him being strong because that's literally the end of the last game. Right. Yeah. And so you get it, to recap. Yeah, it, it's, it's actually really fascinating. And even for somebody who, like I said, I, I did not play that. But having no understanding that history, I immediately find that Super compelling. Cool. Yeah. I think uh, Davy sent us that link of um, Kojima playing uh, Symphony of the Night, the devs play thing, and he talked about how um, they they actually they showed off the Richter stage, the final stage Bloodlines thing at TGS <laughs> when they were advertising for Symphony of the Night. So in a way, yeah, they were doing that whole Kojima moment thing. Yeah, they were, it's they were brilliant. Trying, yeah, I think it's really great. Plus, it's a nice little callback. Was that with wait? Was that with was that was with Igarashi, right? Yeah, yep. Koji Igarashi. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, I still haven't seen that, so that's my bad. Yeah, I still haven't seen that either. Oops. It's, it's I, a good. It's a good video if you have four hours to spare. 
Yeah, at least Davey, when you put it up, I originally told you I'd probably never watch it. It's it's really interesting. Uh, he talks about like really little things, like oh, we had to spend all this time programming the animation for this three three D object in the background, or, or like he talks about how uh, you know the little pictures that pop up when you load your save file. Yeah. Like yes. they were like right before ship, and they were like, hey, we need icons for the save file screen. They're like, everybody make a save icon and. Like, they were originally just going to use a couple, but they got a bunch of submissions, so they're like, we'll just put them all, all right. in there. And right. that, is that why it alternates? Yes. Yeah, cool. It's just chosen. Depends key. on which zone and you're in. She, yeah, she asked them, like, well, how did you guys program, uh, like, what determines which one you get? And he said, like, a lot. It's really random. Like, there are a couple that they went in and were like, okay, you'll get this one in this situation. But for the most part, it just picks one. Hmm. Really? And, and That's, that's yeah. fascinating. He it also, is fascinating. He also talked about how, like, the in that opening CGI cutscene, the um the castle model was actually unfinished, which I can believe. Good, yeah. it looks unfinished. Yeah, because yeah, there's no textures on it. <laughs> apparently, the, the 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 developers, like they the directors or whatever, they told him to like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna ship it now, and he's like, wait, but th- this isn't finished. And they're like, yeah, whatever, go with it. That was the, that was so when I fired it up, I actually forgot about this. When I fired it up at first, I was like, all right, well, I I I think I know what this looks like. I've heard good things. Like I'm expecting a lot from this game, and the first thing you see is that castle. Like, <laughs> yeah. You're like, yes. Oh, <laughs> this is this is gonna be a long month. Oh, that that looks terrible. And then it loads in, and immediately the game just looks gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. The 2D sprite work is incredible. Um, and we, we talked like again, we talked about this before the show, but going like my first experience with it on the DS. This what this game is doing, even though it happened five, ten years beforehand. What is being done in Symphony of the Night could never have been done on any of those DS ports or the DS games. Like it, the game is brilliant. Yeah, the fidelity is so through the roof in this it, game, like both in audio and visuals. It's super yeah. impressive. And the few moments of 3D, while they they're not that jarring, but you can tell it's it's a much more obvious now than it would have been when the game came out. But they still do a great job with the multiple effects and. Uh, the parallax on so many of those stages mm-hmm. again what we were yeah. talking about before the back the farther backgrounds and sometimes it's layered with three uh basically panels of of scenery and it just looks incredible yeah I, I, yeah I, that and that was nice because it was i came in with super high expectations i saw that castle and i was like all right well you gotta lower these expectations this isn't this isn't gonna be what i was hoping and then for immediately right after that to like bounce back up, I was like, "Yeah, okay, this this is gonna be this is gonna be good." Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy this came back around. Uh, yeah, so I, I thought that was I, it's interesting because it's like good. I, I always when I looked at that castle, I was like that doesn't look done. I'm I'm pretty sure I could probably do something about that looks about that good. Some 1997 3D art. Yeah. Um. Good. <laughs> um. So yeah, so that was kind of some first impressions. I, I, I want to touch on Marcos being crazy and deciding not to use a weapon. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, well, like the very, for whatever reason, like I found that just just attacking with your fists uh, right off the bat is uh, was a lot more faster than using a uh, a weapon. Mostly because I don't know what what's up with the frames, but there's some frames when you're moving forward and attacking, you'll like hit twice while just punching. Uh, one fist at a time. So I just took the road of uh, getting in everyone's face. And that, that worked out a lot for most of the uh, first uh, beginning of the game. 
uh, like really well, and I was really surprised with that because I I played this game a lot of times before. This isn't my first time playing, of course. Mm -hmm. So I knew how or where the characters or monsters were going to move. So I just mm -hmm. tried to like judge where they're going to stop and attack them and get in their face. Yep. And it's it's very scary if you try doing this your first time around. I, I don't recommend it because it's foolish. You'll kill yourself and then you'll see game over and Death is laughing at you. It's a terrible feeling. <laughs> but if you played it a lot of times like I have, then it's I guess it's just second nature knowing when to uh, run yeah. into their faces or when not not to. It sounds it sounds like fun. Oh, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's very rewarding, especially uh, the very first boss. Uh, was it Gaibon and uh, Slogger? Yep. Yep. I just let off Tetra Spirit at the front, and I just get on um, Slogger's face, and I just keep pounding on him. And he eventually goes down very quickly. Uh, Dagon, uh, whatever his name, I, f I forget Gaibon, uh, yep. drops down and just wail on him, and the fight's already over. Yeah, in all fairness, though, with a weapon, that, that fight's over pretty quickly, too. Yeah. I, that was the probably the biggest surprise for me was I I did not find basically any point in this game to be overly difficult. I was I ask, so yeah, they go down pretty quickly, but literally, can you think of a boss that takes you more than a couple seconds? No. Oh. Um, only the one we were mentioning earlier. Yeah, Galanoth, yeah. but <laughs> even yeah, that only takes really a couple good. seconds. Yeah, if you use the Elucard shield, he goes down in like a couple seconds. And everything goes down in a couple seconds with the Alucard shield. Yeah, it's yeah, a... especially especially the uh, what was it the uh, what's the name of the boss that you fight that uh, replica of yourself? Doppelganger. Doppelganger. He's like doppelganger. doppelganger. You bring the clock into the fight, and he's affected by the clock, so you just sit there wailing on him while he yeah. throws. Oh, I didn't do that. <laughs> I died a lot on that fight. <laughs> yeah, so let's touch on how. Peter, you originally did not think this game was easy. Well, here's the, here's the thing, and I eventually I eventually got the hang of Symphony of the Night, and it, it kind of something clicked. I don't know what it was, and I started enjoying it a lot more. But this game has the de the epitome of a inverse learning curve, if I've ever seen one. It is. What do you, how, what do you mean? Because it starts off hard and ends pissy. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> It, That's what I was about to say, is I don't know if it clicked with you so much as you hit that breaking point of, oh, my numbers are so big, I don't have to worry about anything anymore. Like, all of a sudden, you're, you're walking around and one-hitting these giant monsters that were giving you so much trouble before, and you yep. have, like, so five or six attacks going off at once that are hitting everything on screen, and you have a shield that just insta-kills everything in your path, and, like, Alucard is a death machine in this game. So, yeah. yeah. Oh. Sorry. Did everybody find that? Do do you find that endearing, or is that I think kind of disappointing? I think it's really I think it's really cool, and I think it's also indicative of the the fact that this was such a, a change for the Castlevania series. Again, I'm, I'm only that's only speculation on my part, but it's I think again they didn't really this was a t and this this was a new frontier for them. Yeah, the so whole it's leveling not, system. Yeah, it's not quite as balanced as it as they as it as it would have been or would go on to become so in that respect it's kind of cool but i can see that being like from a from a purely subjective standpoint yeah that is kind of a, a design problem um, uh, I, to peter's comment before about how hard it was you know, starting out like i remember the first time i played this game and it was also really hard for me at the beginning 
and I just I know for Marcos and Davy it's, it's it's so much more of a breeze than even for you Josh but uh, there is a certain rhythm to this game and I'm sure it's in a lot of the other Castlevanias that have followed too but uh, it it took me a while to get the hang of that rhythm of how to attack people you can just kind of bum rush people you don't have to play a defensive game in fact that can usually end mm-hmm. up screwing you over in a lot of fights if you kind yeah. of back off and try to be patient and it is kind of crazy because every time I've gone back since that first time playing through it is now simple from the get-go for me yeah because you but you... that first playthrough because now again I just I understand how everything's gonna function I know even if I don't know every you know frame that of a certain boss I have a good understanding of how I can kind of abuse them at this point. Right, exactly. And what items where exist to let me do that if I really needed. And kind of what you're saying, it the be- literally the best way at all times basically in this game is to abuse everything. Yep. Um, yeah. It, you yeah. should not take a break. It. And that's where. So. Be relentless. Yeah. It. And this, I'm actually very happy. This wasn't. With the, one of the other reasons I'm happy that we didn't have the first podcast. I kind of started ragging on this game. Um, and i'm kind of happy there's no physical record of that anymore um i think we all are but (laughs) there and Dave and i were kind of talking about this uh separately from all of this but when you come from gba games to ds games i feel like there's a more sense of strategy there's parts of those games that are just crushingly difficult um and so to come back to this, a lot of those elements are simplified. And so I yep. think that I kind of got wrapped up in that last time around where it's like I was expecting some sort of difficulty curve, some sort of, uh, yeah, I got through all this. This was easy. I got to this boss and he just crushes me and I'm going to come back and he's going to crush me again. And I'm going to do that 10 more times and I'm finally going to figure it out. And he's still going to crush me. And then I finally will get it, and they'll be like, "Holy crap, I'm amazing!" Like that one of those like moments where you jump up and you just freak out because you beat it. And it, this game yeah. does not have that. And I, um, I think I got wrapped up in that last time around, where it's like, this really pissed me off because like I was expecting, I was expecting more. Mm-hmm. And and I think it is one of those once you get past that point and you start accepting it, once you get into the rhythm of the game, it, it starts branching out into you're getting actually legitimately good side attacks you're getting decent weapon like gear you're mm-hmm. finding the secret passageways finding secrets on top of the secrets even when you buy a map there you feel like oh there well there's the map and then all of a sudden you're like oh if i go here there's this new section that wasn't on this map um when it opens up to other ideas like other concepts and ideas i think that's where the beauty of the game starts shining very quickly once that happened like i had a 180 degree change on this game the nooks and crannies um, that make this castle so special. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, because the design sure doesn't. Um, no. Like, every other iteration of this style of Castlevania has had significantly better castle design. And I know it's really easy to say that in retrospect, but I kind of feel about Castlevania Symphony of the Night like I do about FF7. Like, I'm really happy it exists. I'm really glad it brought this style of game into the forefront and, like, kind of made it mainstream and made it popular and successful. But at the same time, I feel like it is the worst implementation of the genre that has become popularized. <laughs> but like, well, at the same time, I have a question some... for sorry. you about that. When it... Sorry, Peter, I just totally cut you off because I'm an awful person. It's okay, <laughs> it's okay Chris. Make, make your point, Chris. 
no, I was just going to say that I'm curious because with the other titles, do they have the inverse of the castle in other of those in the DS games, for example? Um, no, there's oh. one of the GBA games has an alternate reality, like another dimension castle. Okay, but um, but is it separate almost entirely from the same layout? No, it's actually an identical layout. Oh, it is it's just, just not, identical. It's just not inverted. Because um, that's what's so fascinating about this game is that you have a castle that had to be designed that, and it allows for a lot of annoyances for sure. But when legitimately just flipped, it's now a whole other world that functions as is, just on top of its head. Yeah, and I think you you could do that with any Castlevania game though. Like you have the movement. Uh, tools at the end of all the Castlevania games to be able to do that. If you just flipped it upside down, you don't even need to design it because you designed the character so well. Yeah, and so That's fair. That's fair. I'm going to do something that I do, I think, almost on every run of these. I'm going to rag on Zelda. Um, okay. I'm really happy that Castlevania doesn't do that. Yeah. I think the whole inverted castle, it, I can't imagine playing it when the game came out. My mind, I would have freaked out. Right. I never would have found out how to get there. I probably would have beaten the game just beating Richter and then being like, oh, I won. It, right. It's yeah. insanely cool. Um, but at the same time, if they ever did that again, it's like, well, okay, well, yeah. Well, there's there's a castle and it's, it's flipped over. Yeah, you've, you've done that before. Um, so I'm really happy they haven't gone back to that. And that's my biggest complaint with Zelda is I feel like we tried the same temples. We tried the same rhythm. We tried the same everything. Yeah, and and I know everybody will argue. Well, technically, all the Castlevania games, all the GBA and DS games, it's the same game. And I, that's the other thing I kind of bashed with Symphony Night is like they haven't changed the formulas since back then. They've made things more interesting. I think they've improved and polished, but at the core, it's the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the very least, they didn't take, "Hey, this was really cool. Everybody liked it. Let's do that same thing again." Right. So I, I, I'm actually overall happy they don't do the inverted castle. Yeah, like every iteration. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. And so, that's that's why I think Order of Ecclesia is personally my favorite Castlevania oh, it's game. So good because it fully went and just broke the mold again. Yeah. No, it was great. And so, and that was the first time I can honestly say I like. There's all oh, oh we're gonna go in a portrait. This is really cool. There's two of us. We're doing like there's all these different interesting little twists. But I, I almost equate them to like Madden twists. Like oh. We had to change the defense, or we had to throw in some sort of blocking mechanic. And they were just little fine-tuned things that were going to be for that one game and thrown out. Right. And if they would have kept going on beyond Order of Ecclesia, that was something that legitimately they could have built into, this is Metroidvania 2.0. Yeah, like have it be a sprawling, like multiple castles, world map. Yes. That kind of thing. Yeah, that would have been... If they would have expanded on the Order of Ecclesia formula, they could definitely be doing some insane things for now. I see what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. That's my new dream game, Josh Curry. Sorry. Wow. We're going to get it on a phone in five years. It's going to be a pachinko machine. (laughs) Why would you do that? (laughs) Well, Um, it's Konami, right? Yeah, as long as as I've already thrown the gauntlet down in that regard, like another thing about Castlevania Symphony of the Night, is like a lot of the mechanical refinements that it came from the later games and usually in the form of glitches like uh the the backdash cancels and the uh backdash crouch cancels and all that kind of mechanical stuff you can do in the later games are not present in symphony of the night so even like just the really p- 
pedestrian, I guess, literally walking around the castle, just killing random dudes. is not. It's fun in Symphony of the Night at the later installments. And it's like, yeah, this is a good game. It's very influential and it absolutely needed to happen. But like, I literally never want to play this game again unless I'm Richter. It just feels that slow to you and it just gets that aggravating because of it. It's well, yeah, it's not slow so much as like, yeah, for all the options Alucard has, like not many of them are very mechanically powerful or make you feel very mechanically powerful because like sure. you'll do the soul skill or whatever and clear a room, but then you're like, great, yeah, that did clear the room. It's like in all the other ones, like you have to go there and you have to fight and you have to know the enemy enemy design and uh, in this game, like bosses are a great example because you usually don't see the enemy design before they die. Like, yeah. I, I can't name the attacks of most of the late game bosses just because they fall down before they get to use their so attacks. Fast, like, yeah. I don't have to learn. Yeah, I don't have to learn how to dodge them. I don't have to learn how to deal with them. And like, I don't even need it to be like Josh said, where you die ten or twenty times figuring out how the boss works and eventually having a good run, because like, I don't even have to get to the point where I have to know what the boss does at all. Yeah, you and, want like, that sweet spot problem. between this and like a Dark Souls, where you want oh, to sure. understand your boss, and then, but at the same time, you don't want it to be so hard that you're going to throw your system in frustration if you. Can't yeah, like it. a Mega Man boss. Yeah, totally. It's, That's actually a great example. You know, yes. Josh, it's it's funny that you mentioned Zelda earlier because we were watching. I was watching that Devs Play video, and we we think of the whole Metroidvania thing today as like you know it's it's the inspiration for this whole offshoot of. 2D side-scrolling exploration games. But according to Igarashi, it seems like Zelda was one of their principal influences when they oh, were absolutely. first setting out to create this game. And I was when I was playing it for the first time, I was thinking it over, well, I beat this boss, I got a life upgrade, and I got a sweet new piece of gear. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. and absolutely. It, it's kind of, and I think, I wonder if how much of that influence can be seen since again a lot of what Davy's talking about this is their first this was their first time making a right. Castlevania game like this yeah and, does and, he say specifically Zelda 1 or Zelda 2 I'm curious sorry I don't think he specified which game in the no, series he just said Zelda yeah. he just said Zelda okay. yeah. yeah like which at that time would have been um Link, uh, Link to the Past probably would have been because yeah. I guess version. the adventure of Link is kind of like the first Metroidvania game in a way yeah kind of actually so what you're saying is, which I, I'm really excited for Mike Solosi to hear uh, this, that Castlevania is a Zelda game. <laughs> so at the end of the day, all games we are not bringing are Zelda this games up again. We oh. are not doing this again. In fact, it's a uh, Zelda two two. Oh, okay. Two two. Good. Yeah. Good. I'm glad we could clear that up. Okay, fine. Well, Zelda awesome. two is the best Metroidvania game. Yeah. <laughs> not, we're not doing that again. Just uh, <laughs> um. Yeah, I, and I, I honestly, I, I think the reason Davy, it has kind of trepidation to replay it. I guess is the best way to play it, phrase it. Sure. I, I feel like I'd be the exact same way. As soon as this month's over, I don't think I ever can come back to this game. Yeah. Um, and it, it is because the genre has moved on. Mm -hmm. Um, there is so much more to these games now. And I, I think it is, it's one of those things, in a vacuum, you can you can look and respect this game. Yeah. And for me, as the first time going through, it's stuff that doesn't bother me. Right. Um, but I can totally respect that after you've moved on to other games that have stood on the shoulders of this game, it's hard to come back to the original. 
so I can completely get that. Thankfully, I don't have that because, like I said, it's the, my first time through. One one of the things I did say on the the ghost podcast is that uh, Phantom I do feel like yeah. The exploration to discovery ratio in Symphony of the Night is maybe a lot higher than any of the other games. Like, I feel like they packed more into the space that they had. Um, and that's cool, because there's, like, always something around the corner. And in the later series, like, they'll usually make you lurk, work a little more to go and find a cool thing. Yeah. Uh, which has its pros and cons. But in Symphony of the Night, you always, like, you turn around and you find a new upgrade, you find a new item. Like, I, so, I felt like I was constantly being rewarded for exploring. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Which is, I, I think, I think is key to this, like this type of game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think you need that feedback loop of, mm-hmm. if I look, I can find stuff. And that this this game fully sold me when my map was probably filled in like, I don't know, more than a quarter, but less than a half. And all of a okay. sudden, I was like, hey, I can fight Richter right now. And it's because I was a bat and I was flying around, just screwing around. And I and walked through a room, door, like, oh. and I was like, oh, I could probably, if I beat him, end the game. Yeah. And that, that like, really harkens to, like I said, Shadow Complex was my first game. In that game, spoilers for Shadow Complex, so, yeah. Um, it's an RPG. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the whole point is, like, you're, you're stuck on this installation, this army installation, you're trying to save the world, da-da-da-da. Your, like, pseudo-girlfriend gets cat- kidnapped. At one point, you go up on the surface, and there's a jeep there. You can get in the jeep and leave. The game ends, oh, and you just leave. Cool. Yeah. Oh, okay, and, it, gotcha. and it's one of those things. It's like I don't know, twenty, maybe thirty minutes from this game, and you, the credits roll, game over. You won. Congratulations. You know what that reminds me of? Um, one of the endings in Clock Tower One, <laughs> where the main character can oh, just yeah. jump in the car, drive right the heck yep. out of there, leave all her friends behind, just get the heck out. Yeah, but isn't the of scissor- course. Yeah, the scissor man's mm-hmm. in there with you. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. But then, like, it's like roll the credits, end it right there. And the uh, not a lot of games do that. Like the most recent was Far Cry Four. Again, spoilers yep. for Far Cry Four. Yep. You can sit at the beginning that of that so game, cool. and totally an RPG. if you just sit there for fifteen minutes, <laughs> the game's if over. Listen to them if you listen to the the antagonist and do what he asks you to do at the beginning. It ends. And it's brilliant, and it's one of those things. Games that have secrets to find that you want to, both a combination of the game being good enough that you want to look for these things, and then also that they just play with your expectations. That's yeah, that's, where I come to sorry. an impasse. Uh, that's where I come to an impasse with Symphony of the Night because I get so powerful that I don't have the motivation to go find new stuff. I don't need it. Like I can go beat the game from range. Like nothing is going to stop me. So I just go, like because. Everything just falls down when I walk into it. I don't need to do anything else. Right, but you've so. played. How many times have you played this game? I mean, probably like three or four. See, and, the, and at that point, it's like you know what, you, you've gotten your money's worth. Yeah, no, I get that. And so, like, saying, like, we can turn I, that question around to Peter or to me, who's never played this game before. And I guarantee, Peter, you were wandering around, weren't you? Yeah, I was trying to find find where to go and. And no clue. Like, if you saw a big hallway and all of a sudden there was like a gap in that map, and you're like, "Well, now I can fly." Did you go back to that corridor as quickly as you could and try to fly up there? Yeah, I did. I like, See, and that and that that shows to me that it worked. You're not wrong, and I'm not trying to say it's like bad, but I'm. It's like 
so much worse at this point. Like, I don't get why it's held on a pedestal when it's been done so much better by the same IP over and over. Because like, I, I think could go it, back. Was, it was the game. I think, Davy, that goes back to your Final Fantasy VII argument. <sighs> Yeah, yeah. Sub- sub- subsequent Final Fantasies did the Final Fantasy VII oh. thing better, but to play Final Fantasy VII, you have to play Final Fantasy VII. Like, yeah, that, and, that and, is still an experience that is exclusive to that game, even if uh, other Final Fantasies built on it. Yeah, and I would love to do this, because I'd love to see just how terrible this is. I'd love to record us, I'm not saying we're doing this soon, a top <laughs> 25 games of all time. Oh, man. Um, and legitimately argue it because the core of that argument always comes down to, and even if, like, I say, screw you, I hate Zelda, like, even if we can get past that, the core of the conversation always is, is it the best game today, or is it the best game that had an influence on the industry? Game timeline. Yeah. Yes. And so when you look at things like that, I think there's a very, very rare games like Zelda Link to a Past. That is yeah. both. Or even yeah. Zelda 1. Yeah. But when you look at stuff like Symphony of Night, honestly, it, it just it there's one that it holds up to, and there's other that's just going to iterate. Same thing with like we're gonna switch into things that I love, Halo. Nobody's gonna argue that the shooting mechanics as you move to each Halo game progressively get better, but at its core, Halo One made mm-hmm. all of that possible. I would say that a lot of people would argue that after two. Yeah, but I'm just like it's it's one of those things. Essentially, if the developers are doing even a reasonably decent job, being slightly understanding of what people are liking, they should at least doing a slight polish every time. And and I guess what I'm trying to say is, I can go back to other Egovanias. I can't go back to SOTN like that. But you're going back to Game Boy Advance games, right? And DS, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, GBA. So, I mean, that's as far back as you're going, that's still five years later. And what's interesting, uh, Davi, I'm, I'm curious, did you actually, uh, I, I'm sure you actually mentioned this earlier, and now I'm just forgetting because we all did this, but did you play Symphony when it first came out? It was probably, like, early 2000s, so not okay, right so when close. it came out. Yeah. So close, though. Mm-hmm. It, it's one thing in, it, when we were, you know, some you guys were good enough to watch the IGA interview, but for me, even before I knew this was happening in the last year, watching uh, other interviews with that man or people talking about that game, other sites that have done uh, kind of book club playthroughs and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, there are people who played this game 80 times and it still means so much to them. And again, yeah. to Josh, to your point, a lot of that, that oh my God moment and how it broke their mind. Yeah. And even little things like the Metal Gear Solid reference to that on your memory card, or if it wasn't yeah. on your memory card. Like, all those little things, it created this incredible kind of uh, pedestal, this little aura around the game. Yeah, and I'm and glad you... And one of the few 2D titles on PlayStation, specifically. That's, Saturn that's was a 2D one. machine, yeah. and this was this one shining gem on PlayStation. Yeah. You, you know, Rayman looked nice, but it didn't have this kind of... Uh, fidelity of control and so people mm. look at it and go like well why didn't we have more of these beautiful games uh, you know and sprites and all the rest of it uh, so, uh, sorry yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm happy you brought up metal Gear solid because metal Gear solid is that for me i had yeah. to i've probably beaten that game 25 times Far too many times yeah same <laughs> uh, I, i'm i'm not even joking like no not am i i play it almost every other year if not uh, every year there was at one point i remember uh i think both my parents were out of town 
for a weekend. I think I beat the game three times in a weekend. Nice. Yep. And it's just one of those things, like, that was my game. That is my comfort food game. Yep. And even now, when I move, go back, and I get so pissed off because I can't use uh, oh, the sticks. Shooting? No, like, I go and I, like, sticks, and nothing happens. Like, well, why? And then I, like, oh, okay, yeah, buttons. Yeah, because we used to play with <laughs> buttons. Yeah. And that still frustrates me, and I've tried multiple of my friends, like, you need to come to my house. We are putting this in. You're going to play the legitimate disc, because that's awesome. Yeah. And they, they can't grasp it and they're like i see why this is good i see like where this is like wonderful like i can see why this but i played Metal Gear solid 4 and like i was crawling around and doing all these cool things with camouflage and like why can't it be that or they had a gamecube and twin snakes was better yeah and so <laughs> and, and like I, I feel like this is a, a really good comparison to that is for those people that are replaying it that still hold down the pestle it was that like earth-shattering moment for them in video games. And, and to your point, Metal Gear Solid for me is still that game. It's in my top five because it meant so much to me. And I still love it and still, see, like you do, play it again and again. But I've talked to people who tried playing it recently with when they had the collections on PlayStation 3. And they're like, yeah, I just I couldn't do it. And I hear that and it breaks my heart. Yeah. I'm like, but I'll do it five more times. Yeah, and I would. And that's why like, I'm, I'm super, I have not gotten to yet, but I'm super excited to play Phantom Pain. I will. I already know exactly if I had to write a, uh, a review, what my bullet point statement would be. This is the best game in the series, but it is not the best Metal Gear game. Yeah, and that, that's kind of uh, been the word on the game so far. And, and I feel like, I feel like in some ways that almost, like in a twisted way, also works for this. Is this this made the foundation that everybody? It's um, at its core, it is the best game because of that. I would. My concern is that I don't like you using the word best for that. I think people often conflate best with favorite or best with most influential, and, and those are different things. Sure. That's a conversation for another day. Yeah, no, oh, but boy. I agree with that because I would say it's, a, it's an incredibly significant game, and yep. for me, that makes it wonderful, and I really love it, and I actually. I wouldn't put it on like, the pedestal for my favorite game of all time, let's say, for Symphony of the Night. But I would put it up there because it was enjoyable and I can take into context all the rest of what we're discussing. Yeah. But I personally could not say it's my favorite game ever because I find many other games more fun. But especially with, and I'm a sucker for 2D art, like uh, Vanillaware yeah. and other companies. Like I love games that can do sprite work. So that already bumps mm. this one up really high for me. But to Davy's point, it's more, I think he's right, it, it, it's not about the best in the series, but definitely significance, importance, and you know, those are adjectives point, that are out. To your point, I feel like FF7 was different, because I feel like there's a really strong argument to be made that even for the time, FF7 was not good. Okay, we're not touching that, we're pulling back... No, I feel like a lot of no. I feel like a lot of people put FF6 before FF7. I feel like that's... No, no that's true, oh, yeah. but... There, there is not a series in the world that there's going to be more arguments about which number is the best. That will be a separate podcast. I guarantee you that will be a conversation at some point. We're not doing it today. All right, just rolling, ro rolling back to Castlevania. Let's actually get back to some of the mechanics. Let's talk about the inverted castle. Okay. Yes. The the so, castle the castle where they always misspell the word reverse. Yes. R e v e r c e. Yeah, that actually sounds right to me, though. Reverse. How, how, how's it supposed to be spelled? There's an S. My, my, is, 
my English major self is crying right now. You can't. <laughs> but there are, you, are tears. You are you saying it's not spelled uh, reverche? It's actually a fancy clothing brand that only Alucard wears. Reverche. <laughs> um, small, small disappointment, and I think this is where it shows the age. I would have really liked for his clothes to change when you put different things on him. Yeah, uh, does. only the cloak. Yeah. Oh, I mean, he also has a uh, platform shoes. I think makes him an inch taller. Yep. Yep. Secret. I mean, it's pointless, but it's really funny. <laughs> I did not notice oh. that. I uh, I was thinking really hard about what makes the inverted castle cool. Um, I think because I was replaying it again, I realized it's kind of because it gives the first-time player a chance for them to be like, oh, I know the secrets, and have that experience where they can be go and be like, oh, yeah, that wall over there, I got it. Or, oh, yeah, there's going to be a dude right there. And like they just remember that from the first castle, and so you kind of get that. Uh, but also, what's going to be different this time when you turn that corner? Because there's right. familiarity, but now, I mean, especially with monster design, a lot of it's yeah. different, and then some of them aren't. But there's also a lot of fun play, and I love in games, whether it be, you know, uh, character action games or others, when you meet enemies that you faced early in the game that were hard or yeah. harder, and then you fight them again, like talking about uh, Slogra and Gaibon. And then when you right. go into the inverse castle, and then there's rooms with tons of them, and you're just one-shotting them. Or, or even the like, uh, hits, and you're just like, the this armor, is no problem. They put armor on wards and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or fleemen now. In, in, in yep. The, yeah, it's great. I, I feel like there's a bit of a difficulty spike when you first get to the castle, and it's not very much because Alucard is so powerful. But right, right after the, the, the Richter fight... Right, right when you first get into the Inverter Castle, I think all of a sudden the game starts being a bit more challenging. Well, yeah, if you take... I mean, the damage you take is... But, uh, there's a big spike, like the damage output of enemies. But you can still destroy them really quickly. Yeah. So you are more vulnerable, but you still are a DPS machine. Right. Right. Well, besides that, the number of healing items you can carry in this game is just unnecessary. Like, I've never used one, but I think about it sometimes, like, I could just live forever. Yeah, you could just go library card, buy a ton of potions, and be fine forever. Well, and that's actually kind of, it's kind of sad, because you, I feel like, I have to imagine this is the case for you, Peter. You struggle so much in that beginning portion, and you wish that you had a bunch of potions, but by about the time that you make it to the library is about the time you don't really actually need potions ever again. Yeah, yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. And so that's the first time I was like, hey, I actually have stuff. I could, this all could be easier. Like, all my problems are going to be solved. And they're like, oh, I hit that last guy, level up. And then as I level up, I grab this, this, and this. And boom, fine, problem solved. Don't need potions. Don't need cakes and tarts and whatever else they want me to eat. Yeah, there was one time I was yeah, exploring. I tried I playing closer. Oh, no, I was just saying, there was one time I was exploring and I was at actually fairly low health because I was taking a lot of hits. And then I found a full life upgrade and I was just yep. like, great. <laughs> I'm yep. awesome. Basically, every time that you even possibly are getting close to death, something like that happens, and it mm -hmm. doesn't matter. It's because, I, like, the whole reward system uh, from the first castle, like, now they just throw, like, life stuff at you everywhere you go. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's where we were talking at the very beginning about the progression of difficulty. It's so flipped on its head. Because <laughs> that first half an hour, I guess, yeah, approximately. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like, I could see that just being punishing for someone that's never played this game before. And then as soon as you get past that, it's like, all right, well, got it. We're good. Um, and yeah, I, nice. I almost wish wished that first half hour, 
I could see a lot of people like if there was trophies back in the day, and you like you go on uh, your PS4 and you're like, oh, percentages get here. I could see so many people just dumping out after that first half hour. They'd be like, yeah. no, I, I can't. This is stupid. I'm gonna return this. I'm gonna trade this in. <laughs> yeah, for me, I, 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 this time playing the game, I haven't used any spells, and so there are certain rooms uh, with certain enemies in the inverted castle, like the witches, who can be really annoying for me. But uh, to your point, you just you hit that you hit a stride, and you just never really need to heal. Because yeah. there's always going to be something to help you out. Or there's a save point not too far away that you can always just go mm. to, re-up, yeah. and keep they're, moving on your way. They're very generous with the save points, I've noticed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think the only intimidating room or rooms in the Inverted Castle is the both um, passageways that goes to the, the uh, Clock Tower place, where it has those two Golden Armor guys. Um Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That, like that, that always messes with me. I always it gives me a hard time. I just missed it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the first time I played this game, just died way too many times in that hall. Um, I know this isn't the inverted castle, but since we're kind of getting closer to wrapping up, um, mm -hmm. I wanted to mention one of my favorite parts was fighting the succubus. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. really novel. Yes, that's a cool scene, and it's one of those. It caught me off guard because I was like, "Oh, we're gonna actually." We're going to have some story. There's yeah. actually some extra plot. Yeah. Yeah, and Alucard... I have no idea why this... Oh, I should know this. Like, Dodecahedron is, like, a purple, brown, black... Yeah. ...instead yeah. of a red. Like, what? why is that? Like, there's so many questions. I almost just walked out of the room. I was like, this nope. is going to kill me. Nope. I'm going to nope. walk over, save, and then come back. It sounds actually like a creepypasta. Like... You're, he's playing this game, you picked up at a shady place, and the save point is the wrong color, and you get this weird scene. Like, it doesn't sound like a real story. It, it sounds like what you, uh, like, all these uh, developers are now like, if you pirate my game, I'm going to put this in the game so it eventually breaks everything. Yeah. And it was like, I almost felt like that what it was. I was like, well, I, I bought this off the PSN. Like, this is a real game. Like, why, why is it broken? I, the the build-up to that fight is so cool, and I actually think that... um. We're, we, as always, the voice acting in Symphony of the Night is laughab laughably bad, but I actually think Alucard's taunt before that fight, the whole demon, death is too good for you line is pretty great. Yeah, at the end, fantastic. I actually thought that whole segment, I was really impressed and really happy with it. I was disappointed that there wasn't more of those. Those little character moments, yeah. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. That was one of those, as soon as it happened, I was like, yep. There we go. That's easily top moment, or maybe going to be second top moment of this game for me. Like I well, really enjoyed that. The scene random fight. little things, like the uh, like the confessional. Yes. In yeah. one of the towers, and go in, and then it, you get stabbed, and you're like, "What the hell? Why? Like, why did that happen?" Yeah. I, is there <laughs> a reason for that? Explained. I don't know. Maybe Not there is. Easter egg. I love it. I yep. love it because it, when it first happened to me, I was just like. Wait, why? Can, yeah. I, can it happen again and it doesn't trigger again? You're like, what just happened? What did I miss? If you go to the other side, somebody else comes in and just sits there. Yeah. You just stare at each other. Yeah. yeah. I love it. There is some, yeah, there's something about this game, like, especially the way it's just, like, kind of hanging together. Like, people love breaking this game. And it's the kind of game, like, with uh, the unfinished areas and stuff that appeared in, like, the Saturn version. Mm -hmm. Like, people really want to dig around there and find something like cutting room floor type stuff. Yeah, and how you can, there are places where you can break it and get higher percentages. Yep. Yeah. Uh, out of bounds, yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
And there's also the goofy stuff, like in the inverted castle, in the library. All the enemies are Wizard of Oz. Yeah, right. Oh, that never, that never even occurred to me. Yeah, the Tin Man, the Lion. Wait, then what's uh, the Shmoo then? That one isn't. It's, yeah. it's the other main ones are the, okay. are the core group. Yeah, the Shmoo is just a weird extra thing, like a new magician. just there to head. curse you and piss you off. Yeah, exactly. But the others, it's a Wizard of Oz theme. And it's just random little things in the game that I'm sure... I don't know if that was in the original uh, Japanese version. Maybe it was, or if that was just a, a thing in translation that they thought would be fun. Yeah, I didn't even notice that. That's, that's actually awesome. There, there is some incredible detail in like little bits of this game. Yeah. yeah so, um, we're going to come back to final <laughs> thoughts. I kind of wanted to, since... This is October. This was supposed to be our horror game that we were playing. Um, I wanted to kind of touch on just a little bit horror and video games, but uh, specifically, it's a hard word, uh, specifically what our favorite horror game is. Hmm. Um, I'd have to probably, I'll go. I'd say Lone Survivor, probably. Which it's almost sample that came in second for what we were gonna play this month. So um, close. That game's man. Yeah, I went through. I played it originally on PC, and then when I got my PS4, I got it on there because I'd never, I didn't beat it on PC. So I went through and I got all the endings and like, kind of like we were talking about with the uh, uh, Terra Enigma. It's fun when things are ambiguous enough that you can really dig in for a couple hours afterward and like still kind of live the game and figure things out in it even though you're you're done playing it. That's a yeah. good one. Yeah, that's perfect. I'm bad with horror games. They they really can mess with me. Uh, <laughs> as in like no uh, okay, it's the same thing with films and all the rest of it. I'm very I really buy in. So if atmosphere is good, it really messes with me. So like Silent Hill 2 is a game that I, I love. But uh, it, it's hard for me to get through. I think Bloodborne is a lot of fun. It's kind of a you know an average horror game, but uh, it's yeah. more contemporary. I loved Lone Survivor, uh, but that's also a game that it was hard for me to get through because horror can really really mess with me. Yeah. Dude, I had to I had to take the evil within back because it was just stressing me out. <laughs> yeah, see, and that's the thing. I want to play that game, but I know that it's gonna have. Kind of effect on me, uh, but yeah, Silent Hill Two, I think in terms of sound design in a horror game, is just incredible. The fact there's little details of you start walking from your car and you just yeah. start hearing other footsteps, and then you stop, and the footsteps continue and then die out. And there's nothing else there. It's just a sound trigger of after you start walking, another thing, you know, sound cue starts. But right. it just creates this oppressive horror of there's always something you can't see. And voice acting aside, that game has it through and through from start to mm. finish. That's and it's, it's amazing. really effective. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. It's one thing that I liked about, I, I really hate the game mechanics of Eternal Darkness. But the insanity meter yeah. of that game was so fun. And I couldn't finish it because I thought the game, I know someone's going to hate me for saying it, but I really thought the game played horribly. Yeah, I tried to play that this year and I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, it's it, really rough, really, really rough. But the world and the insanity and all the rest of it, again, the atmosphere is mm -hmm. so cool. 
if you've yeah. been spooked out in that game and your meter's high and you walk into a room you know really well and all of a sudden the walls are bleeding or objects start moving and flying across the space and that's another eldritch horror game another yeah. game that does a good job with that was uh the thing game oh yeah so, i never played that was that good yeah it was fine but they, they play with a lot of that like you having that kind of stress and your your character can not like they can't handle the stress so you start seeing the game change based off of how that's yeah going. that kind of left lovecraftian angle of horror yes. you get. yeah and, and that, that is very true like any game that has some sort of lovecraftian kind of roots to it did you play bloodborne yet dog me yeah no oh, you've oh. got to play so that's he, what so, it is no, but, horror is is lovecraft so this is yeah. a complete side note but this is gonna be my my complaint on it i fully respect those games i understand why people like them the controls are garbage. Don't do it. Have you tried Bloodborne yet, though? I have not tried Bloodborne. Bloodborne is that everyone who doesn't like the Dark Souls games likes Bloodborne because they make it faster and more arcane. It does, but still, it it's does not control better. It's better, it but what I want is I want to take Devil May Cry controls. I want to take Ninja Gaiden controls. I want to take, um, oh god, like I, put I that. I platinumed all those games. I like, don't think I want that. All those platinum games. <laughs> Like, I want those, that control, that tight-knit. I want to go into cancels. I want to do all these crazy things. But you can't do that in a horror game because it's yeah, too important. But I want play. it to be that empowering, but that just brutally difficult still. But I want to feel that when I die, it is my fault. I could have done something better. I screwed up. When, uh, granted, I have not played Bloodborne. I've only played uh, Demon Souls and first quarter-ish, first half-ish of Dark Souls. Which, and I'm not trying to naysay you here, but interestingly, that means you've played the two games that most people complain are the hardest point of entry. And I don't have That's a problem true. with the difficulty. I enjoy the difficulty. I fully I respect that difficulty. Easy. It's the fact that, and this is why I don't like uh, Resident Evil. I mean, moving like a tank and moving like garbage does not make a game good. Oh, I hate tank I controls. I, yeah, and that's, that's going back to the eternal darkness. If I can't do yeah, that. Yeah. I yeah. fully respect that, that aspect of game design, but I just can't do it. See, I don't even respect it. I think it's a cop-out. That's why I don't respect, like, and I, oh, I'm going to get so much hate about it. I do not there respect any of the uh, Resident Evil games. Yeesh. Yeesh. And I understand why they did it, because it's a product of their time. But anybody that's going to tell me, come in to me and say, the game's better because of that, that is false. Well, have you played the remake, which takes away the tank control? I heard it breaks the game. <laughs> I mean, it does, because it was designed for tanks. Yeah. It's available. And it's not one of those things. They didn't choose it to make it better. That's what they had, and that they did the best that's what they, they could. Yeah. But it does not make it good. And anybody yeah. that's in 2015 that chooses to make a game with tank controls because I'm going to make horror good, you're an idiot. Yeah, that's that's another reason why I don't have much experience with the survival horror genre, going back to our, our earlier point. Yes, and, let's go back to that place. And, 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 like, and like, like you, like you, Chris, I have a really bad time with with certain kinds of horror, medical horror in particular, just unnerves the crap out of me. Yeah, sure. But I get nauseous. Yeah, me too. But in in terms of two, um, one Par Parasite Eve, the original Parasite Eve is one of my favorite. Oh yeah, time. For me, the second one. Yeah, I I, I love Parasite Eve one. It's it's such a great blend of of horror and what Square was doing at the time. Yeah. It was good. Um, and also, this isn't really a this isn't a game that you can play anymore, unfortunately. But PT, the Silent Hills demo, 
So oh, that, that scared the crap out of me. That that was going to be mine. Was <laughs> so I have, a, I have a great story. It is it is one of the most brilliantly it is one of the most brilliantly executed. It's fantastic. Ever yeah, experienced. So I uh I oh, downloaded GT when it came out and uh, <laughs> it's both. It is um, both. But I like I didn't want to check it out. Like I wasn't really in the mood. This is around the same time I was having troubles with uh, the evil within. But I told uh, my wife, like, hey, I downloaded this demo. I heard it's really good. You should check it out. And I thought she was going to have a rough time with it. But she was, like, just stoned game. Like, I was impressed. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I have I have a recording from when I played it and I, on my PS4. It recorded my gameplay. And I'm scared to check out, check that recording. Because oh, I don't want to experience it again. So what we should do is we should give that to a certain somebody on RPG Fan. And they can post that to our YouTube page. <laughs> No, you don't. I, I wish that there had been a um, that we had recorded we or had recorded when I played it with a couple of friends of mine. I, I made a friend of mine play through PT right after I did, being like, "You need to experience this," and we screamed. <laughs> All three of us simultaneously screamed like, "Just it was it was amazing." <laughs> that's what yeah. That that's me in horror games. Any of them, like if especially if I can get through them, but I will be the one yelling at my TV like, "Oh Jesus, why, why." And, and I was seeing things for days after. That, that's what the, that's what it does to me. Yeah. So for me, I I do not like the horror genre at all. Um, but it's not because it scares me. Actually, for the most part, it doesn't scare me at all. Um, it's specifically movies, but to the games at the same point. Like I see through it. Yeah. Um, it yeah. yeah. And so, like. <sighs> I I immediately like well why would you do that that's that's idiotic like don't do that don't leave that room don't leave that gun there don't do this don't split up and I I get so caught up in that that's like well I wouldn't have died that's stupid you're all morons you all deserve to die um <laughs> and then I so I get either, I usually just get really mad um and then just like this the horror part of it 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 it, it just doesn't grab me. Um, that's ring true. Yeah, so my favorite horror movie is Cabin in the Woods. Because, yeah, first of all, great film. But yeah, it takes those kind of cliche moments of like, let's split up. And they give a reason to it. Yep. They're like, oh, they chose not to, but somebody forced them to split up. And so it's one of those things, it's still not scary. But it's something that I, I enjoy that. But um, it lets you sit through it and not hate the film for making those obvious choices and sticking right. to those tropes. Right. And then the, the same thing with PT. PT, first of all, you don't really have a choice. You're stuck in a corridor. Um, like, you think about Sound Hills, and it's like, you know what? I'm going to leave this town. No, I, I just, I'm going to give up. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not walking through this creepy graveyard with fog and a radio. That seems stupid. It's funny. Uh, Silent Hill Downpour actually played that up where it's like literally a chasm opens up and you can't leave the town. Yeah, and, it, and I, I feel like you almost have to do those, that like something there to like, yeah, there's a reason you can't leave. Because a lot of these, it's like, well, this is stupid. Like, at least I understand, like, hey, your daughter's captured. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to go protect my wife. I'd like to go protect my daughter. Like, any of those types of things, it's like, yeah, I can, I can see that. But... The hard part about movies and games is at some point you have to move beyond what you want to do and you have to do what the developers want you to do. And then therefore it you lose that interaction. Um, and PT was wonderful because it almost plays up the fact that you try to leave. 
Right. And then it's scary while doing that. And so it doesn't feel like you're losing control because in my mind, you go to the end of that hallway, you walk to the door, it is you trying to leave. Yeah, um, like you're constantly trying to escape. Right. And you can't. Right. And then so that's where that becomes great for me. Um, and it's a shame that it got deleted, and it's a shame that somehow they deleted it off my PS4. What? It's still on mine. What? Yeah, mine mine just disappeared. So I have no Bummer. idea. Yeah, I'm legitimately really mad about mine, that. Mine did too. I, yeah. I, I, I can't the... access it. Yeah. Here. I haven't tried to access it, but it's still in my library. You should double check that. It's, it's in my yeah. library, but it will not. Yeah, mine has the download arrow thing or whatever. Wow. Oh, so that means it got yeah, deleted and you just can't access it anymore. Yeah. So, what about you, Marcos? What is your favorite horror game? Um, I don't play many horror games because uh, they all gave me heart attacks. But uh, <laughs> there was one particular one that I really enjoyed. Uh, not so much playing, but watching was a uh, Rule of Rose. I mean, Rule of Rose. Oh yeah, uh, oh, yeah, cut- the Atlas game. What is it? It was an Atlas game, right? That was Atlas. I thought it was Capcom, but who knows? Maybe Konami. <laughs> Google yeah. somebody. Yeah, like it was just a really weird game where this is was, was Yeah, it was, was Atlas. Based, uh, yeah, it was based with like children on a Zeppelin and like little gremlins running around and like yeah. other things. It, it was okay. just generally a creepy game. Like it was unnerving. Not like a jump scare scary, yeah. but it was just really awkward. Even the the end of the game felt really awkward to me. It, so I, I and there was just something about it that was really impressive. And what I really liked about it was the music style. Which, I mean, again, this is music. I love music uh, from games. Uh, it was just, like, string music. But it wasn't, like, pretty string music. It was really dissonant. So mm-hmm. it just sounded like killer music half the time. And the other half was, uh, very, uh, I guess kind of creepy. But more like, you know something's not right. Um, Marcos, you were really into uh, Fragile too, right? Oh, uh, that game. Fragile Dreams. Yeah. See, yeah. Fragile Dreams. I do not consider that a horror game, even though the beginning is very. Uh, it can. The beginning has a little bit of a creepiness to it, especially in the train portion, was when the hands pop out of the window towards you. Yeah. But later on, it just became more of a. I don't want to say apocalyptic thing. Yeah, it is a post-apocalyptic thing where everyone just started falling asleep. And when you fell asleep, that was it. I don't know if you died or uh, just you were into a eternal coma of some kind, which is more or less death. Yeah, but, yeah essentially. <laughs> but I just found that as a very charming and beautiful game. I thought is, it was really creepy. The beginning, yeah. No, don't Dude, get me wrong. The beginning and the was, ending with the, the yeah, medical yeah, rooms and stuff. Yeah, no, that was creepy too. In the, the robot, well, spoilers... The, the merchant that's a robot. Yeah. The, yep. That that actually creeped me out when uh, you found out that inside that, uh, what was it, the uh, crib was like, pro- and you know what it was. It was a dead baby. Yep. Yep. And I was just like, ooh. Like, that, that made me really, like, unnerved when uh, you found yeah. this robot was uh, getting toys or whatever trinkets for a dead baby. Yeah, I think that game really succeeded at being creepy because it really saved its cards and knew when to play them. Yeah, yeah, it was timing. That was really yeah. good about that. It's interesting. We've all kind of been saying that for the horror games we've mentioned, it's it seems like the theme is atmosphere and yep. this idea of like oppressive and 
horror instead of straight jump-in-your-face scare. As Josh was mentioning, even with those movies, it's like, that's why I usually hate the genre, too. It's just, it feels like cheating. Yeah, because at the end of the day, if you have that build-up, that suspense, that background, that creepiness, that's something that can last throughout time. It infects. Right. It's stuck in your head, it stays with you. You want it to be in your nightmares. You want to have a light flicker or a light to go off. You don't want to go in the basement. You want something that just aching the your belly. But mm-hmm. if you have that jump scare, the next time you watch it, that's the same jump scare. Yeah. yeah. You're not preying on any of your fears, your insecurities. And, you know, um, and after a jump scare, you just laugh it off. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. And it'll never be scary ever again because you should remember that it's there. Yeah. You know, um, I kind of want to play Until Dawn. Uh, especially for the you made the cabin in the woods reference. Yeah, I, I actually and, uh, am very excited for basically the same reason. Yeah, it is quite exactly. And the fact that everyone who's played it seems to be pretty high on that game for the most part. Yeah, I think it's the surprise game of the year. Yeah, I mean, according to Shuhei Yoshida. Yeah. <laughs> so that is our special one episode only October Halloween episode. Yeah, we did it. Uh, that is <laughs> Castlevania Symphony of Night. Normally we'd have wrap-up thoughts, but I'm kind of terrified to do that since the whole thing was basically wrap-up thoughts. Yeah. Um, but since we are, this is our only podcast, we have not touched on the most important part, and that is what game we are playing next month. Uh, so in November, we'll be back to the three uh, podcasts a month. I, I promise. You can hold me to that. Um, and we are going to be playing uh, Deus Ex Human Revolution. So that, I'm, I'm super, super excited. I have never, never played that. For this. I've always wanted to play that. Um, I'm interested to see how everybody kind of tackles the different possibilities with kind of play styles. We'll just put it that way. Cool soundtrack. Uh, Very well, cool soundtrack. Yep. My music that I listen to is always a good soundtrack. Yeah. You're despicable, Josh. You are despicable. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we really appreciate you guys coming along for this interesting ride. We apologize. We've kind of gotten off schedule, but we promise to do better in the future. Um, As always, you guys can jump on to the boards and voice your thoughts. Um, You can send us emails at retroidrpgfan.com. You can badger us on Twitter. Uh, I'm sure I'll badger you back if you do. Um, And then please go on to iTunes or any of your podcasts. apps that you guys use please review please send uh glowing reviews we love it um it makes us really enjoy what we're doing when we hear that you guys are enjoying it as well um and it makes it so other people can find us much easier Um, so that is going to do it for us at retro encounter and we look forward to seeing you guys next month bye jump to the air and turn into a wolf (laughs) bye friends be the best vampire you can be